This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This week on RVER, sponsored by Progressive Insurance. Hey, Chief, we got a damaged RV on its way to the OR. Well, that sounds like a job for the new head of RV surgery. (laughs) Wait, are you promoting me? Congrats, Martinez. Doctor, that RV's flatlining! Well, that sounds like a job for the new head of nursing. So you're just promoting everyone now? Yeah, kind of looks that way, doesn't it? When your RV really needs saving, Progressive has you covered. See if you could save with a leader in RV insurance. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Coverage subject to policy terms. Recorded. So, yeah. Hi, welcome um, to another edition of that little podcast. Last week's episode got us thinking, um, and Joe said, Oh, I've got a couple of powers, we'll be able to help with this. So, um, we've gone out on a limb and we're going to talk to a um, Norwich fan. Don't panic, I've checked his fingers, they're all there. And we're going to talk to a, a, a Brighton and Hove um, fan about what their views are, what they've seen, how um, both clubs got in um, to the Premiership. Obviously, Norwich um, a bit more unsteady, shall we say, than Brian. But Joe convinced me that this would be a good idea to listen um, to how they do it and um, and basically get an understanding of what sort of investment is needed and whatnot for potentially us to get to the Prem. Um, so without further ado, I am joined by the one and only Mr. Zamba. Hello, Joe. Hi, Mickey. How are you doing? You all right? I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. Yeah, there was a good show last week. So hopefully this time we're, we're going a bit more deeper into it and find out what it takes. So, yeah. Well, that's it. I'm looking forward to this one. It'd be quite good to get a different opinion from outside Millwall looking in and just seeing how other clubs operate and, and what their their ethos is and their modules and how it works. And hopefully, you know, we might be able to... Um, take note of that and, and, and adopt a few of these uh, these methods, you know? 
Absolutely, absolutely. So then, without further ado, let's welcome uh, Kev, who is the Brighton and Hove fan. How you doing, fellow? You all right? I'm very well, thanks, Mickey. Thanks for having us on. Um, can't believe my first ever podcast is uh, is a Millwall related one rather than a Brighton one. But <laughs> there you go. You never know. You might get you might get picked up by the Brighton one now. But there's a there's a Brighton there's a Brighton story in a minute. I'll tell you a Brighton story in a minute, which is quite funny. So yeah, and um, I'm joined by Steve, who's a, a, a Norwich City fan. Can you just hold your fingers up so we know that just, just to prove yeah. no, no webbing anywhere, honestly. <laughs> Oh, I was born there, not bred, if it helps. So, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, thanks for having me on. So your sister lives outside the borough, is that what you're telling us? That, that's it, that's it, yeah, totally different, yeah. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's good you me. No, it's a pleasure, pleasure. So hopefully the next um, 45 minutes an hour or 30 minutes or however long it takes um, will hopefully be quite an interesting insight into what we do. So, yeah, the, the story, what I was going to say to you, Kev, was the time that Brighton um, got us a, an accusation of Millwall fans being racist across the sun. And then we got an apology from the sun when you boys come to town and you boys shouting seagulls made a, a journalist for the sun thought we were saying, seek how, seek how. And it wasn't until he listened back to the tapes and realised that actually what, what was being shouted was seagulls. Um, but that was after he'd written uh, a centre a centre part in in uh, in the sun of how racist Millwall fans were for um, shouting seek hail when actually if he'd have listened a bit clearer uh, or sat closer to the north stand, he would have heard that it was seagulls. Seagulls. That's, that's the problem, isn't it? When um when you get a reputation like Millwall have. Which not and in all fairness, I'm not saying you still have that reputation, but obviously back in the day the stigma was there. And it just it just gets attached, doesn't it? And journalists just sort of assume things, make things up. So well This is only about this is only about what, 10, 15 years ago, in fact. So yeah, yeah it's, um, it was quite I'm, a common surprise yeah. me. Right, we're gonna crack in. Um we're gonna end here, we're gonna give you a quick uh ad break and then we'll be back straight after this and we will get on with it. You all right, boys, yeah? Yep, so yep. Yeah. Welcome back then, part one. Um, we flipped a coin earlier and we're going to go with the Brighton fan to start with. Um, Kev, what did Brighton do to change their fortune? And do you think now that possibly they, they will be, whether a bottom end, but there will be a, a premiership team for a, a, a while longer? Yeah, I mean, obviously, a bit of context around Brighton, which is, is probably well documented, as, as most people know. Um, the club were back in the late nineties. Were we were without a stadium. We had to move to to Gillingham and ground share there, which was was horrible to say the least. Gillingham, I don't even know the Priestfield Stadium. It's not a place you want to go to every other weekend, and uh, it was dire. Um, we were on the brink of going out of the league just prior to that. Uh, managed to get a draw at Hereford on the last day. So really. Um, the recent history of Brighton, 25 years or whatever it's been, the change within that has been absolutely remarkable, which I guess it makes it right for a, a programme like or more to the point of question like you just asked. So um, obviously we got ourselves, we stayed up in the league. We then got ourselves um, a more uh, stable standing and we brought in the uh, the owner, the new owner was Dick Knight, who um, is an absolute legend as far as Brighton fans are concerned. 
Uh, a guy with a club close to his heart. Uh, he got rid of the previous incumbents who were, uh, again, this will be known to um, lots of people, but David Bellotti and uh, Bill Archer, who uh, who really did drag the club down, sold the ground, um, which, you know, w- without a stadium to go to was unforgivable. Um, so really where it started was Dick Knight. And, and, and I guess that's fundamentally where you do begin. You, you start with a guy who is uh, a local businessman with his heart in, you know, he's a fan of the club. Um, and he was the one really that kickstarted everything. He kickstarted the move back uh, from Gillingham to the Withdean Stadium, which was the athletics track just outside of Brighton. Um, only a six and a half thousand capacity, but it was a home. It was a, it was a game that we could go to and not have to, to do the hundred mile round trip to Ken. Uh, so that was fantastic. Um, and then just things, all the right things seemed to happen. We we got the right managers in. We got Mickey Adams came in and got us promotion. Peter Taylor was was there for a while. Even Steve Coppel, dare I say, ex-Palace boss, um, was there and did a, a decent job, if I'm honest. So really things started He's to move here on. too. Yeah, Coppel, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Coppel was here too with Harris. It was Harris's go-to man for many years. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think the guy's. I think the guy's fantastic. I think it's a shame that um, you know he's probably not still in management now. But um, so really, we we kicked on from that, um, and then really things started to snowball when Knight uh, wanted to step down or, or more to the point take a back seat. He's not a young guy. I believe he's probably into his mid eighties now, um, and that's where Tony Bloom came in. And this is really where it, it, it really it really just snowballs. So Tony Bloom, for those who don't know, um, is a guy who made most of his, well, he made money out of playing poker, believe it or not, professionally, and then started to invest that in property. <clears throat> but his family have been sort of there or thereabouts connected to the club for several years. In fact, his uncle, Ray Bloom, I think, was uh, was on the ball back in the 70s. Um, so again, it, it's blue and white blood flying through his veins there. And, and that really is what you need. You need, I, I believe, having seen all this, you just need that person not necessarily that is a fan, a long-term fan of the club, but just someone who understands the the fabric of the club and and, and the community. I mean, we've seen this with the um, the Leicester uh, situation, where of course they won the Premier League. That the tie owners in, okay, they're from Thailand. Everyone's thinking they're just in it for the money, but they understood the club. They understood. They they connected to the community. Um, obviously, tragic what happened to their 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 owner, but. You know, they won the Premier League and and they, you know, you could see the outpouring of grief when when he died. So, so again, it's just getting those people in that care about the club, not these not these rich Americans who have no idea what they're doing. I mean, look at United and, and, and Glazier and, and they're, they're, you know, they can't stand the guy. It's just, it's just, Kev, I know this coming. Where are from, Kev? Uh, oh, the US? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but luckily, this one does care about us, though, which is quite good. It's been well, that's, that's, that's the thing. It doesn't matter where they're from. It's just as long as they care about the club. No, no, I'm joking. So, yeah, so, no, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so, so Tony Bloom has come in, and obviously he's he's wealthy. He's got a lot of money. You guys on the oh, you're in now. Do I just keep talking through that sort of thing, Mickey? Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, just you all disappeared. Um, so he's come in and the, the money he's invested has been fantastic. Obviously, p- people will say, well, it's got to be the new stadium that he's built. But it's actually the youth development system. And that's the key, the key or the core of the success. Uh, he's created a fantastic state of the art uh, training academy out near Shoreham, um, which uh, Mickey, I'm sure, as you all know, is, is just west of um, west of Brighton. And the academy has really kicked on. We produce great players that have gone on to play in the Premier League. You know, we have obviously Lewis Duncan, Solly March currently. Um, most 
recently Robert Sanchez, who's now the number two goalkeeper in Spain. Steve Cook um, went on to play in the Premier League. Tommy Elphick. These are all players that that, that came through that academy um, and, it, and continue to do so. So for me, to answer your question, Mickey, that's where it starts. It starts with the, the chairman whose heart's in the right place and then just the investment in the youth. And if you can get those two things right, and when I say investment in the youth, I mean, you, you've really got to invest. Obviously, we've been lucky. Tony Bloom has a lot of money. <clears throat> he was able to create this centre and, and, and obviously from there, you know, build the Amex. But just the guy with the with the heart in the right place and the understanding of and the importance of, of youth development, for me, that's that's where the, the, the main success, I think, came from for Brighton. How much do you think so far it's costing with investment? In total, 200, 250 million just to get us to the Premier League. So he had... But that, and that obviously... Stadium as well, though, Kev. Yeah, yeah. So that stadium, that's the training facility, <clears throat> and then just right. getting the right people in. Um, you know, the Dean Ashworths of this world, or the, the oh, well, actually, Paul, I've got a special shout out to Paul Barber as well, the the chief exec, who mm. um, obviously so, was so, so not much, then. not not a lot. No, exactly. <laughs> this is it. It's this is the thing. It is a lot of money. You know, I'm not going to beat around. So, so when, when when what year did this actually start? In, in regards to I mean, obviously, I know when, when Brighton got promoted from the Championship to the Premiership, but how much before that? Did all this money inject into the club to get them to that level? How yeah, soon so did, did it happen? Two thousand and nine was when when Bloom uh, took over. Really? Um, so 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 the, so the development started from there from two thousand nine regards to training facilities. No, you, no, I, I think like any club, any club, the, the development program was already there. Um, you know, as any club would, you'd be you'd be daft not mm. to have a, a development um, system in in place. Um, but I think almost from day one, he understood the need to create a an academy that would start to just produce decent players. Yeah. Um, and that was just the makings of it, really, the foundation of it. He wasn't in there to say, right, we're going to sign this ex-Premier League player on big wages and, and that. You know, we've seen that happen before with teams where they've mm. signed, you know, big players on big contracts and, and, and who are towards the end of their career. It just doesn't work. Mm. So he went the so, other way. I'll just ask for it, So 2009... Were you in the championship, the second tier at the time? Was you? We no, we were in the third tier, um, and he basically recruited. Uh, so hang on, let me get this right. So yeah, at the time we would have had, I think it was probably Russell Slade or someone like that was in charge. <clears throat> but soon after, we got promotion into the championship, and that's when he made um, Gus Poyet manager. Right. Okay. And, and Gus Poyet, and again, early point wasn't it? I guess that was. The it, it was. Yeah, you, you. I mean, I talk about you know your youth academy, but it's also getting the right person in charge in. And he, we had a succession of really good managers. Gus Poyet um, was. I know he's you know probably not managing at the highest level now, but when he came in, he played a brand of football which was was nothing like we'd seen before. It was passing football. And I think in the Championship, uh, when you're trying to get at the Premier League, um, you can pass your way through a game. You, it, it's not about just hoof it over the pitch and just you know just long range shots it's just passing so our possession stats were always 70 30 in, in most of the games um but you've got to back that up with decent players you know and a great holding midfielder in dale stevens and you know and, and obviously we have uh, bobby zamora you just you just need those those players that um that, that get you through that but uh i think getting the right manager in place as well i mean it's a whole bunch of ingredients but and not to want to blow brighton's trumpet but there's an awful lot they were getting right at that at that point which is why effectively we went from third tier to Premier League, I think, in a space of about eight eight years, I think it was. I mean, um, when, you, 
when you think about us, really, I mean, John Berylson took over 2007, I think roughly to probably right now, he's probably put best part of 100 million into the club. Um, and probably not including all the legal fees and everything else, maybe with regen and, and other battles and whatnot's gone on. Um, but now we are looking to spend a big chunk or, or you know, sponsorship or whichever way we do it. But we are in the process now of looking to, to build a brand new state of the art to a championship club um, training facility. So, We've now got a director of football who is a a Millwall fan, um, started as a journalist and come up through the ranks as such, got into recruitment within us, then went to Stoke and then come back. Um, and hopefully now he's got control of the recruitment and the director of football role. And hopefully with that, and he's going to be overseeing the academy side of it, I think possibly maybe in another 10, 15 years' time, we might well be, um, you know, looking at, a, you know, premiership um, if we're not already there through, you know, through our playing ability on the floor. But I think yeah. that training facility will cement our future with getting, the, you know, the good kids. Because I think it's not too bad for Brighton, and, and we'll come to you, Steve, in a, in a minute, just so we can get your story and then we can start a general conversation, is that I think where Brighton is, there isn't many other premiership or, or clubs of your level really within your area. You've got Bournemouth sort of west of you, but yeah. there isn't really anything apart from Gillingham to a degree um, that, that is a professional club really um, where you are. As in what we've got is we've got all the big boys within London. So the Spurs, the Arsenal, the, you know, um, we've got obviously Sun United, Wimbledon, uh, we've got Gillingham, Charlton, et cetera, et cetera. So I think for us finding the youngsters with the current setup we've got is potentially hard because our ground or our training facility is very dated. Um, as in they walk into yours and you walk them into the Amex which is obviously a sponsored stadium from American Express, which is great. But your training facility is probably going to be the same sort of level and, you know, premiership level training facilities. You suddenly walk in there with a boy and his dad, the boy's eyes are going to go, whoa, look at this. You walk him into ours in the middle of Bromley and we've got portal cabins everywhere and <laughs> and you're just going to be, dad, I've been offering the thing, you know, at Tom. Yeah. Yeah, you're 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 absolutely right, Nicky. I mean, you know, it goes without saying. You you can't you can't compete if your facilities aren't up to scratch, and you're trying to impress someone who's who's looking at the club for the first time or visiting the club for the first time. First impressions last. So, no, you, you are absolutely right. And yeah, as I said, it underlines the point. If you get that, if you get that right, um, and you create that 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 academy that's got that wow factor as well, maybe a bit of wow factor to it, then yes, you are you are going to attract players, especially as you say, quite rightly, you're up against. You know, <clears throat> dare I say it, the, the Crystal Palaces and the Charms of the world. But um, you know, you, you've got to compete. No, that's it. So, Steve, what's what's same question? Really, what I said to um, Kev is, um, what level of investment do you think was there, and where do you see things starting to change and uh, and going forward? I mean, you're not fully there in the same way that I would class Brighton as, because you've no, been a not. bit of a yo-yo. 
But um, you are in the right direction, I suppose. Um, yeah, we're, 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 we're trying. Which we, you know, Stuart Webber's uh, uh, ambition is to be a top twenty-six club, as he says. Um, is to have that stability. You know, if we're we're either pushing for promotion or we're in the Premier League, it's it's very difficult because we don't necessarily have the same financial clout. We don't. I mean, you know, I love Delia and uh, Michael Wynne Jones. They've done so much for the club. They're millionaires in a billionaire's world, right? You know, you look at the Premier League, you look at all the owners there, they're all billionaires. You know, I think we were 19th or 20th richest owners in the Premier League last, uh, or the season we've just had. And it's a reoccurring theme every time we're there. We are effectively poor. And, and, and yeah, I'm, we, we we're trying to be sustainable. I think that that's the way that Norwich is trying to do it to make it work. Our money isn't pumped into the club. It's organically grown. Um, so again, it's come down to clever recruitment and having really the policy of the youth. I mean, we got our um, cap one status for our youth team in 2012 and that was huge for us, right? That was, that was something that we really wanted to do. I mean, Delia and, and, and Michael have been um, involved in the club for 20, 25 years. And it's taken, well, they, they took it on in 1997. They always wanted to kind of push the club forward. But it wasn't really until, you know, as I say, 2012 that we actually managed to get that that status. And that was already after two stints in, in the top top flight, uh, which wow. you know, failed to materialise and uh, or keep us in there uh, for full for, for, uh, longevity. And we've come back down and... The only way we can get back up is by making the smart choices at youth level, bringing them through and trying to treat them as an investment. And And it's kicked on since uh, Stuart Webber took over in 2017. I think one of the biggest problems that we had from 2012 to 2017 is we had good youth prospects coming through, but we didn't have a manager who had the, the guts and the balls to actually blood them and play them. So we had all these kind of players with potential that ended up going nowhere. But Weber came on, um, he brought Fark on board and Fark knew what the model was. He was on board with that. He'd already had practice in in, in blooding youngsters um, and he was happy to do so again. He was able to manage them effectively and it's really then that we started to see everything that we wanted and everything we talked about as a club starting to happen and suddenly all these prospects that we've been garnering and bringing through we started actually making money on i mean one of the things norwich has always been terrible at is is selling cheaply like potential talent and 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 as a fan base we were, we've constantly been frustrated at like never getting the value of what we felt we should have for decent players that kind of stopped and changed with weber and and for what whatever people talk about his recruitment and you know, there's two sides to the coin, isn't there? There's those coming into the club uh, and those going out. He's been brilliant at getting uh, value out of assets that are outgoing um, from from the club. Uh, those coming inwards, it's it's a bit of a lottery, isn't it? So I think um, it, it it's, it's always been about trying to push forward, reinvest, and then push forward again. And it's it's slowly trying to build yourself up the chain. And it's much more difficult if you don't have 100, 150 million that can be injected into the uh, into the, the assets of the club or into the team, into pushing it there. It feels like 
feels like the forever game, isn't it? Where you're trying to build it up, build it up. And, and if you make some bad signings, you're going down again. And then you're trying to claw back up again. And you're all kind of, can you get there? Can you get there? No. Okay. And then you're trying to do it again. And that's been why we end up as a yo-yo club at the moment, because we're struggling to actually get that team that's strong enough when we actually get to the Premier League. I mean, this last run at it, we actually spent some money because um, we, we, I think two, uh, not this year, they were gone, but two year seasons before that, we were accused of not spending money, not having a go. But when we went up that time, all the money went into the investment into the club, like Melbourne's doing now. They're investing in their youth setup. They're getting it right. And, and you're absolutely right, Mickey. Ten years is probably where you're going to see dividends from that. It's interesting what you say about you know 2012 when when you got the uh, the cap cap one and mm. what you're aiming towards. I mean, I mean that's for, for Millwall that'd be absolutely brilliant. And we spoke about it in some previous shows. We need to improve uh, and our youth facilities and our academy build that up. Um, but we also don't know um, we're not very good at on, on the resale value of our players. This has mm. been the case for for years and years and. You know, it's interesting to say that Norwich were very similar to how Mill have been, how we are now. But that that has changed, hasn't it, in recent years with, with Norwich? I mean, I've seen a lot of players go now for for big money, for good money. I mean, James Madison's one that that's left, and uh, the, you've got the, the Murphy twins. And is there is there any others? I, can't remember yeah, I mean, Ben Godfrey went to um, Everton for twenty five million. Obviously, last season we sold Buendia for thirty five million. Um, yeah, to Aston Villa. I mean, there is Jamal Lewis. Who did James Madison go for? Twenty-two and a half million we oh, got okay. for him. But just um, curiosity, what what was the fans' feeling? It's never it's never great and never nice to, to sell your best players. I mean, I know how we would feel if we sold kept seeing our best players. But when you're getting that kind of revenue in, and you see how the club is run and how they're reinvesting that money in the right way, is there kind of is there a kind of fifty-fifty kind of mixed bag in, in, in the feelings of the fans, or are they all for it? Yeah. Are they against it? What's, what's their kind of views on that? No, I mean, the, the fan base is always going to be slightly split on those kind of things. There's never one one unity for, for all the fans. But I think generally speaking, one of the things that, that changed um, when, you know, Chucky talking about Stuart Webber, I think that was a pivotal moment for us because the, the narrative changed within the club, the transparency changed within the club, the fact that they were talking about the vision of what they're trying to do, talking about how we're going to be a sustainable club, talking about how we're going to try and achieve these things. Um, it, we, we, we got on board with it. We understood. We understood what the model was. We understood what was needed. I mean, Madison was key for us. We, we nearly, we were paying for the sins of our past. Um, when we had three seasons in the Premier League, we, we, we thought we were doing all right. We spent money. We bought Naismith, you know, 28 years old. I think he was 29 years old for eight million. I tried money for him, didn't you, as well? Yeah, in the January transfer window to try and keep us up. We um, spent big on Ricky Van Wolfswinkel, Feed the Wolf. That, you know, he scored one one goal for us in the entire season. We made mm -hmm. some mistakes that, that season. Um, we signed these people on long-term contracts, big money. Naismith was on a, a lot of money. I, I can't. Not mm. sure exactly how much it was, but I mean, we're talking like you know, proper, proper decent Premier League wages without the um, I believe uh, allegedly, I don't think there was even a uh, kind of reduction in his wages when for, for relegation clause. I mean, we were really? the third season in the Premier League trying mm. to push forward, suddenly it all went wrong, and we were in a bad, bad way. You know, we had these huge wages on the bill, we had um, dropped out from the top flight, banking on staying there and building on the future, mm. and Actually, selling Madison pretty much saved our club. We were really? close to administration at wow. that point. So his sale was like, 
I mean, no, no, no one wanted to see him leave because he played great football. But everyone knew what a huge, huge relief that was for us as a club because mm. he kind of safeguarded us and it was able to help us push on. And then the further sales, you know, the, the Murphy twins. Wow. I mean, great. 20 million for those two. And I think, I think um, Jacob Murphy's just been released and is looking for a club now and he's 28. And, oh, you know, God, if, yeah, right. yeah. So, you know, um, Jamal Lewis playing for, for, for Newcastle, Ben Godfrey, we talked about when Dia, you know, the, the, the list mm. is getting longer and longer. Mm. Sorry. What do you, I mean, obviously this last season was a nightmare for you. Um, you know, finishing bottom of the Premiership and yeah. not being able to score goals and, and laying lots of goals in. Mm-hmm. I mean, where do you see the benefit of being in the Prem and, and, and what you've said there? Do you think that you're just going to bounce straight back up next season? Or do you think since you've been in the Prem, the Championship seems to have progressed to be quite a competitive arena now? I think I think the championship's been a very competitive arena for a decade or more. I, I think it, you know I think it's very very good, a very very strong league, and very hard to get out of. Um, I think we've got a real challenge this time round. We bought players that we were. Yeah, I think I think you know again it's trying to find value. We've looked at different marketplaces to try and find black value in the players. Where you know you can't just keep going and thinking, well, we'll get this like like you were saying, Kev, twenty eight year old that's going to do the business. You can't do that. It's too too big a risk. We tried it with Naismith. We don't want to do that again. So we're looking at, Buendia was like, you know, for example, he was a little out of shape. He was playing in the second league in Spain. He wasn't necessarily on anyone's radar, but we saw potential. So we're trying to get potential. Um, Rashista, you know, and Sargent, we saw Pukki, potential. Yes, Pukki's a prime there. example, wasn't he? Sorry? Pukki's a prime example. Again, going overseas... Yeah. Free transfer. He was the probably signing of uh, of of Norwich's history. You know, um, really sort of potential. Yeah. So it's 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 almost taking these punts. I think now we've come back down with a team that is used to losing. It's always going to be hard to regroup and and remodel yourself again. But so, I guess you've got a parachute payments. So, I mean, you've had that a few times, haven't you? Has that helped a lot in the, in the rebuilding program and trying to get them back up it, and challenging for yeah. the Premiership? It it gives you a year of trying to get your 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 club in order, doesn't it? You know, and reorder. So inevitably, you're going to look at potential outgoings. I think Max Aaron's has served his time with us very very well at the moment. He's been very patient. We've had Barcelona came in and looking for him at one point. You know, Liverpool talking about making an offer. Um, can you, can you see him going, Steve? I mean, look yeah, at, yeah, at the moment. Think, I mean, looking, we talked about resale value, didn't we? Earlier, we spoke to, to Kevin as well. I mean. Can you see anyone in that Norwich team that looked likely to move on this season in order to kind of give you the extra budget you need in order to make? Yeah, a I think I think Max Aaron's is the prime example of that. I think he's the one that needs to now. He served his time. He's a good player. He can kick on in his career. I think one one, one thing Norwich needs to do and and has been doing is letting players go. Yeah, and 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 it's good for the club to do that because if you're say you've got this uh, nice new shiny building with you're trying to attract the best players in mm. what what better way to attract players in than showing them that they've got the potential to a get in your first mm. team and play and b be allowed to move to a bigger team when that team comes calling mm. so, well, I don't know how, how difficult it is for, for the academy because there's a ruling isn't there that you've got to live i believe it's like one hour away from the uh, the training facility so you look at where Millwall, Millwall are, any, any London club, really, you're in a prime location because you're looking at an hour radius, north, south, east or west. You can really take your pickings. And unfortunately, when you look at 
Norwich, and you look at Brighton to that to, to a point because you're only kind of looking at half of what's on now. If you look at Brighton, you can only look at half of half of the radius. You can't go into, into the uh, English Channel can you to find no. any, any any gems. Um, and what what I hear quite a lot of, and I think Norwich do this very very well, is that they'll actually move families across mm. to Norwich, buy them a house, you know, buy them uh, yeah for, 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 the, for the, the family and the kids, just so they're a res- they're a resident in that one hour radius in order to sign that player. I mean, that's a massive outlay. I mean, to to buy a house for a family and move them from wherever they live in the country to Norwich just in the hope that their kid... New message. Hey, girlfriend, it's Carol from Jury Duty. We never actually spoke, but I saw you ordered the same hoagie as me at lunch. What are the chances? Anywho, I heard you just got a boat. We should totally grab some hoagies and take it out for a spin. When you get a boat, you also get new friends. Make sure Progressive's one of them and get coverage today for as little as $100 a year. Do I want to feel the wind in my hair? Guilty as charged. <laughs> oh, seriously, let's ride on your boat. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states. On August 25th, I'm the most brutal, vicious, ruthless champion that ever been. The most anticipated original series is here. You may know Tyson. You're the heavyweight champion of the world, young, rich, and black. But do you know Mike? The minute you get too big, they gotta cut you down. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Starring Trevante Rhodes. Um, I am like. And Harvey Keitel. They'll love you as much as they fear you. Now I'm really going to have some fun. Mike, series premiere August 25th, only on Hulu. Becomes the next best thing one day. I mean... Yeah, you, you've, got that. you've got to admire that. You've got to admire the the, the balls. Yeah, you know, for them to sort of put the money where the mouth is and actually take those those chances, those gambles, yeah. in order to attract the best players. And they're working so hard in their academy. So, you know, so and Brighton the same, you know. Big commitment from the parents as well to have to oh, pack up everything and move yeah. to Norwich because you know Huge. not many people want to do that. No, but I mean now more than ever they are because they see that their kids are getting into the first team setup, they're being given the opportunities. Now we're a destination where youth players actually look at and say, yes, please. Um, mm-hmm. Firstly, we've got the nice new training facilities that are outstanding. But most importantly, we've got a route path to the first team. We've got mm-hmm. an opportunity to actually prove your talents if you're good enough and be allowed to move on to a bigger team when they come calling. You what know, you so saying? we've got that proven track record of developing the talent, and that in itself almost is a, is a calling card now, isn't it? You see, that's where that's where you boys at Brighton have done well because you used to have Mark Beard, didn't you? Who was, oh yes, yes, we did. He was, he was phenomenal for you. I mean, he's at Dorking now, I think. Um, yeah. But he was phenomenal for you, um, and he done wonders with your kids, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, we did. We he did, and again, you could argue a lot of a lot of where we are now is thanks to the likes of Mark, and that they, you know we had some really we had some really good 
people in the background there, not only on the uh, the academy level, but on the scouting level as well. Scouting, obviously, the next best thing, but also current players. I mean, Steve alluded to it there. You try and you go to. We often went to the Spanish league ourselves. Um, you know, the second tiers is. I think I think Ujel was second tier at the time when we brought him in. Uh, we had David Lopez come in as well. Um, but you need a good scouting network. You, you have to have that, and you need a bit of luck. Brighton signed, you know, three or four turkeys. I mean, we, you know, in, under normal circumstances, we would have gone under. But, you know, we signed Ali Hankabash. We signed Jürgen Lacardia. Don't get me started on Jürgen Lacardia. Uh, we signed um, Florin Andoni. You know, we, we signed some players that just, we probably totaling about 50 million here that, that, that were awful. Um, but fortunately, with the chairman's money, we, we could just about swallow that. And of course, we did we did sell some players for big money as well. Ben White, obviously, recently, 50 million. And, and, and Jerry Skalak to... Uh, to, to, to and Jerry Skalak. It was the dodgy <laughs> hairstyle, yeah. It was frightening all the kids. We had to it, was the money, it was the money he was on what was scary. There was rumoured to be on about £15,000 a week for us, and he weren't even fucking playing. He hardly ever played for us. It's a shame, because, yeah. I mean... That, that season when, when Brighton got promoted and Jerry Scarlett was playing, he was quite a good player. I mean, he was getting a lot of assists and yeah, yeah, he did. for you, weren't he? Never, well, he never, he never really did it for us. He had a spell, I think, of maybe a dozen games. Um, he hit one particular, particularly brilliant free kick against who I can't remember. Um, but he he was very much a flash in the pan, unfortunately. Um, and it was no surprise when you know he was loaned out to to the Championship, and I don't know where he is now. And, and like as as with Norwich, sorry, Kev. I mean, obviously, quite clearly, Norwich do give their youngsters a chance. They do give them first team football and bleed them in. And, and you can see a lot of players have developed there by playing first team football and moved on. And uh, they're, they're signed for lots of money. Uh, are Brighton the same? I mean, the Brighton got a fantastic academy. They've got some fantastic youngsters that are all going out on loan to every single team you can imagine at the moment. But how? How are Brighton as a club in regards to trusting their youth? Do they give them the chance to play? Uh, what's your yeah. thoughts on that? Absolutely, they do. Um, you only got to look at the uh, the subs bench now for a lot of the most a lot of Premier League games. Uh, Potter is putting youngsters on there. Um, we have uh, Tudor. I forget his surname now. Tudor. Blah, I forgot his name. But we do have we have players on there that are making the bench um, and. Two or three of them have been given chances in the first team. One or two have been given a chance in the Premier League. So he is keen to do that. Obviously, when you have a little bit of wiggle room, you know, when you say we were safe, I think with four or five, maybe even six games to go, you can start to bring those players in and give them a chance. Um, although that's not to say that, you know, we weren't taking the Premier League any more less seriously. You know, the higher you finish, the more money you get. Um, but he was certainly giving those youngsters a chance. Gives them a chance, gives a lot of them a chance in the. Um, as I think, I think most teams probably do in in the League Cup and the FA Cup, uh, but certainly yes, they are they are played. There is, and I think you need to you need to demonstrate to your existing academy players that you there is a path, there is a path to the first team and the Premier League, and maybe the riches beyond. And I think again, if you if you can demonstrate that you you are prepared to to promote uh, players rapidly up through the ranks into the into the first team. It's only a good thing. It's, a, it's very attractive to a, to a youngster that's, that's trying it's to say, It's interesting to say that. I mean, in our last show, Mickey and myself and, and Chris, we were, we were talking about, you know, the, the attraction for youngsters and their parents. Let's get it right. Parents have a big say where the kids play. And, you know, if you've got, you know, three, three teams, let's say, or four teams in for you, you've got a, a Chelsea, a Man City, or a Brighton, a Norwich or a Millwall or... 
and AFC Wimbledon, you know, where, and they all want you, where do you go? You know, do you look at the, the best chance of playing first team football, i.e. you'll go for Millwall, you might go for AFC Wimbledon, or do you look at the best team that's available, if it's Chelsea or Man City, but then there's a little chance that you'll get into the first team. I mean, sometimes I think looking at Brighton or Norwich, especially where they've got proven history in allowing their youngsters to get first team football and at the same time having a category one training facility, you kind of tick all the boxes. I mean, that's mm. probably a massive coup for you guys in regards to attracting you know, good, good players, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. But it's, an, it's all the ingredients, isn't it? It's everything. It's, it's who's advising you in the background. It's the, as we said, again, it's, it's how the look of the academy. It, it's a whole raft of things. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's talking to the, to the, um, the youth coaches. I mean, you, you, get, you just get a, well, I don't know. I've never been down this right low route, unfortunately. I know it's surprising, but, um, but you, um, you just, you, you just get a feel, I think, for, for a place when you, when you go somewhere and it's, it's who do, you talk to and, and how, you're do going, you, how you're revised. Do you think we've been in the premiership that the, um, the commercial, benefits of what the premiership brings you opens up that it's not just your chairman plowing money into the club you're potentially going to have um large corporate partners um like american like you've got american express you probably paid a big chunk towards that stadium um and possibly keep paying a big chunk every year towards brian i mean I'd say we are probably we're slowly getting there on a commercial level, but I'd say that we're probably still possibly ten years behind maybe where Norwich is. Yeah, there's no doubt that success breeds success. Um, you know, you, the, the more attractive you are as a as a marketing tool, then of course you are that the more the more sponsorship you can command. I mean, American Express obviously are huge sponsors. They're they're headquartered in Brighton, so it's a nice fit. Um, and yes, they do pump an awful lot of money into the stadium. I don't think they had any contribution to the cost of the stadium because the naming rights weren't awarded until after the stadium was built. But yes, it would have been a huge amount of money. And you're right, Mickey. I mean, the commercial, the the, the Premier League is a, is, a, is an absolute gold mine. If you can stay there and establish yourself as a team, uh, it is a gold mine for for all that sort of corporate and sponsorship activity. Um, and I think this was always Tony Bloom's vision. And fair play, he's carried it out almost to the letter. Was to was to get up there, stay up, consolidate, and then eventually try and finish in the top half of the season. Now, if you told me that's going to happen within five years, like it has, I would have, I'd have bitten your arm off. And it has happened. Mm-hmm. And you know, any Brighton fan will tell you that they're absolutely cock a hoop with a ninth, ninth place finish this season. So it is. It, it's the longer you stay, the, the richer you're going to get. It's as simple as that. Question for both of you, possibly Norwich, and and possibly to both of you, you're not. You're not wild class as hardcore fans to a degree, and that's not disrespectful. That's just the way it is. You you were a different to how we were, and and how other clubs around us, you know, like the the Man United hardcore, the Liverpool's, etc., 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 the Everton's, yeah. etc. Um, but do you see the Premiership as a as a sanitation towards traditional? football fan values and does that weigh out for the commercial benefit or does it ruin the the football day experience for the traditional fan? I mean, it's a question I've kind of asked myself a fair bit 
during the course of this season, as I'm sure you can appreciate, as yet another goal slips into uh, to our, our net and uh, we're losing heavily again, thinking, well, is, is it worth it? Is it is it worth it? because it's all money. The Premiership is all about money. You know, it's it's definitely a billionaire's playground. It's it's very glamorous. It's made to be glamorous, and it and it's almost made to be like. I almost got the impression that people didn't like the way that Norwich were going about our business. Like take like uh, two seasons ago when we didn't spend any money came coming up. We actually spent money on the infrastructure, the the training grounds, improving the background. So we had something that lasted more than the season, even if we got relegated. And we got a lot of stick for not spending the money there. I think everyone wants the Premier League to be the biggest thing that you must you know, you'll throw everything at it. You're going to get 120 million or 100 million pounds in revenue coming in for, for being in the Premier. You need to spend 100 million on players to try and keep yourself up there, right? Um, and, and you need to die for that. That must be everything. But actually, there's great football being played in the Championship. Yes, there isn't the money, but you could argue exactly that, that it's a, it's a better footballing experience you can actually have have that and i'm not saying you can't have that in the premiership that's un, that's unfair but you know what why does it have to be all about the money why why can't it actually be about still getting behind the team there was there was a a, a poll done recently within norwich and um i can't remember if it's a hundred or a thousand fans that took part in it but a good good portion of fans what's more important winning or playing attractive football and the majority said winning and I just kind of think, well, isn't that indicative of what we've been made to to kind of view, uh, like attaining the premiership status, keeping that premiership status, rather than actually enjoying the football? I don't, I don't know about, you know, you guys, but when I think of my favourite, like, you know, games in, in history, we've had some great games where we lost one against Millwall, uh, where, we, where, you know, it was a very, very high scoring game, which, um, you know, you... you, you we just about won, I think it was 4-3. And again, yeah. we lost to Liverpool 5-4. You know, that, that was one of the best games that I've ever, ever viewed. And we ended up losing it. So I think the Premiership's all about money. It's all about winning. And I, I, I don't adhere to that now. Maybe I'd like to be in the Championship for a couple of seasons and enjoy yeah. watching games where we can win some. It's, it's interesting. Right because your your um your your seasons are quite bipolar, aren't they? In the sense that you have one season when you're in the championship, you're absolutely rocking and rolling. You, you you're beating every team. You're playing great football. You're winning most of your games, and then the season after, you're struggling, and it's de- you know depressing. You're losing yes. games. You, you're looking at relegation, and the next year you, you go back up again. It must be so hard to kind of for, for your emotions, you know, to kind of you know to take it all in really each time. I mean, I mean yeah. that's what makes it great to watch, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, he's like he's like going by trailer all day. It, then you, want, you want that, yeah. You want to do the, the, the kind of the Brighton thing, don't you? You want to kind of go up and, and kind of stay up if you can. Now the difference is between you two. I mean, we are probably much more close to Millwall that is to Norwich than we are Brighton because we haven't got someone who's going to chuck 250 million pounds into our club. Um, the only way we can do it really is by shrewd recruitment and getting our academy right. Um, yeah. But what Kev's told us and what Brighton's done. It's quite clear to see you need to get have money, but what's important is getting the infrastructure right. And Brighton done that very, very well. They've looked at everything, you know, from their training, their their, their academy, their scouting, everything's done well. Yeah, even even their ground, you know, the way they built a new stadium there as well. So everything's done well, and they've planned very, very well for this to, to give them this uh, sustainable uh, a, a club and team to kind of be, be, be playing the Premiership and not looking over their shoulder at relegation every season. You know, yeah. Um, 
Sorry, Joe, go on. No, no, I'm just saying, I mean, that that's how, in my mind, I think that's the way to do it. But you, you, you do it on a, a shoestring budget like Norwich have done and kind of almost, you know, work their way through the system, which is pretty close to what Mill would do. And you just can't see how you're going to keep that going and be in a premiership every every season and, and not, not you know, what a relegation every year. Well, I, I think, I mean, t- t- obviously, Mickey, your, your question at the top there about is does it sanitise, does the Premier League sanitise football? I, I absolutely does. Um, there's no two ways about it. it it's unrecognisable from playing in the in the lower leagues. And I think, Steve, you make an excellent point as well. The Championship is is a brilliant league to play in, especially when you're going well with it. I mean, it was the, the seasons we had where we were getting into the playoff finals um, or getting into the playoffs and we, we lost three playoff finals. But those seasons were so exciting. You get into the Premier League, and when you're a Brighton or a Norwich or whoever outside the big six, there's a glass ceiling. You are never going to win Leicester aside, obviously, was a was a, a, a free occurrence. Yeah. You, you're never going to win. The, we're not going to win the Premier League. We're never going to get into the Champions League, let's be honest. The Europa League is obviously a distinct possibility now. But that is it. That is the glass ceiling. You cannot go any further than that. Is that the way you want to watch football by aspiring to finishing seventh or eighth every year? Or, or even just staying up. It must be not, difficult no. for both of you because for you and for Norwich, you know, even Brighton have done very, very well and, and they've, they've messed that up and, and they finished in a good position. You must look at the start of every season thinking we must not get beat. We must not lose. You know, it can't be much fun. You know, I see the good for the old ticker. Every game you go into thinking we can't lose this game. We're playing Chelsea. Yeah. We can't lose this game against Liverpool. It's great to watch them. And I, I, I wonder, as a Millwall fan, how would I... Would I enjoy being in the Premier League? Knowing damn well, we went up, we'll get absolutely spanked. Probably finish worse than Norwich did this season. That could be that could be possible. Um, but that that's what's that's what's going to happen. And in my head, you know, if I if I got the opportunity to do that, I would take it with both hands just to see Millwall play in the Premiership. But to do that every season, to go up, now you're gonna get spanked, go down again. It's demoralizing. Well, this, and this I, I agree with what Steve's saying. I think to be in the championship. It's, it's a great division. It's probably where the Premiership was 10, 15 years ago, to be fair. Um, you know, and when you, and both you you guys, you you played in League One, you know, you've seen out in League in, in League lower divisions, how shit and, and, and horrible it is down there. Oh, um, Nimble to be in the championship, and we've been there for this will be our fifth, sixth, sixth season now in the, in the championship. I love it. You know, I really do. As much as I want to go to the premiership, I'll take the championship, you know, every, I would, every year. Would you not make it? I'd like to go to the Premiership for one season just mm. to turn this golden brand on its head for one season. Um, <laughs> the fact that the fact that if we got into playoffs and it looked like we were going to win, the FA, the Premier League, the EFL would be having fucking kittens. They would be shitting it. The, the UK police force of the, of the country would be absolutely shit in a brick. We would have we would have more Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday kickoffs than any team's ever seen in the premiership. Um I think it would it would shake it up because we are a traditional working men's club. We we we're not changing. As much as they're trying to change us I don't think we will ever change. Um, maybe 30, 40 years' time when a lot of the, the Millwall fans from now, the the historic Millwall fans, start obviously, sadly, 
dying, getting too old to go, etc., etc. And, and this new youth, this new modern-day football fan, um, which is very different to what I would class a traditional football fan, um, maybe then things will change. But while we have still got air in my lungs, my legs still work, I don't think, as a Millwall fan, we can allow it to change. And that's not... That's not thuggery. That's not saying, oh, look who we are. That's We are the last bastions of keeping proper football support in alive. And I'm not on about the violent side or the, you know, that side. I'm, I'm on about we support the team with, you know, without the prawn sandwiches. We get behind the team. We travel up and down mm-hmm. in the UK, you know, on a Tuesday night to fucking Hull, to Middlesbrough, wherever it is. We might not take, you know, 20,000, but we take 500 hardcore what can make the sound of 20,000. And I'm just afraid that, you know, yes, I'd like to go to Premiership for one season, make a lot of money, and that would set us up probably for the next 20 years, 20, 30 years, rather than, you know, go get spanked by Man City every, you know, you know, twice a season, the likes of... <laughs> Liverpool, Man United, etc., etc., etc. Yes, we we can we can take on the big boys when they come to the den in the FA Cup, and then you know, like Brighton when they come, uh, a keeper allegedly who decided to throw the <laughs> fucking ball in the back of the net. But other than that, you know, we we we, we were doing okay. That was brilliant. That was. Um, <laughs> Oh, Mickey, I, I see where you're coming from. I think, though, I mean, you look, we, we all watch our team and we all want our team to win. And why do we want our team to win? Because we want them to progress up the league. And that invariably means getting promoted. Now, now, of course, you want to get into the Premier League. It is the promised land. Um, you can get up into that Premier League. I don't care if you're a Millwall or a Norwich or a Brighton. You could stay there. You can do it. Bournemouth, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, who would have thought yeah. Bournemouth would be an established... I know they're not, not now, obviously, they've gone back up. But, you know, they were established. For, they lasted four or five seasons. Right. And, and once you, once you, it's like you get and a small stadium. You, yeah, yeah. And it once is. you get a taste of it, you want you want more. We all aspire mm-hmm. to see our team do better and better, and that means you have to say you have to get into the Premier League. I mean, I we used to get asked this every time Brighton lost the playoffs. It's like, well, at least you've got another season in the Championship. Or you people used to say, is it too soon to go up? Which I think is a ridiculous thing to say. Of course, it's not too soon. Do you want to get in the Premier League? Yes, of course you do. You want yeah. to compete against the big boys because mm. I'll tell you now, a United or a Spurs or whatever coming to the to the new den, um, it, they're not going to like it, you know. No. And, and that's that's that makes for a great spectacle. And, and, and I've seen the uh, the Millway changing rooms, and trust me, it is not it is not nice. I mean, it's tiny. Um, you know, it, it, it's not going to be one of the. Uh, the fixtures that they're going to be looking forward to is put it no. that way. You know, I mean, so you yeah. you look at you look at the taxpayer funded stadium at West Ham. Um, you're miles away from the pitch. It, it, it's a commercial entity. You're miles away from the pitch. You come to the den. Um, you know, pretty much, you could take a bottle of coke or you could take a cup of tea out of someone's hand. You're that close to the fan base yeah. and have a swig of it. That for the likes of some of these Premiership prima donnas, it's a scary environment. You know, mm. being called, you know, being called a cunt by a sandwich brigade ain't that bad. When you're suddenly called a cunt from someone from South East London with a proper Cockney accent, um, <laughs> with a bit of passion behind it, it's, you know, it don't matter if you're on fucking 60, 70 mm. grand a week, it's going to unsettle yeah. you. 
as yeah. Ben Chigwell found out, you know, and and others have found out. Um, mm. It, you know, I, I I think, you know, we're we're looking at pulling this to 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 an end to a degree, and and I think we need to do this again at some point because there's there's a lot more questions um, and bits and pieces going. But I mean, you're obviously this season back in the championship, Norwich, yeah. Steve. Um, yeah. Are you fearful of that coming back down to potentially what talent is in the seeing last season's championship going down to pretty much the last day? Are yeah. you are you fearful that potentially you, you it's going to be a lot harder to bounce back up than what it was maybe a couple of seasons ago? I think it will be incredibly hard. I don't I don't necessarily know if we'll do it, but it, it's not something that I fear. I don't fear being in the championship. Mm. What I fear is, you know, what's happened to so many clubs like that have put too much on the line to try and stay in the Premier League and failed. You know, the the, the lower leagues are littered with examples of clubs that have given too much of it a go uh, to, to do, do everything they can to stay there Luke and have ruined their clubs in the Portsmouth, well, yeah, there's, there's so many, many. There's so many of them. Yeah. And... Hopefully not Burnley now as well in the situation they've got with the investors. Well, they're, um, they're in real financial sort of. Well, they, they are. I, mean, I don't. I don't fear being in the championship. I don't fear playing championship football. I like playing championship football. I think it's a great league. What mm. I fear is my club putting everything on the line and losing and not having a club anymore, or, or it being in League One, League Two because we, we try mm. too hard. And if we're in the championship for five to ten years, that's that's fine. I'll, I'll embrace that. Yeah, and that's but that's why we aspire to the Premier League again. St- uh, Mickey, you said you want to see them all in the in the Premier League for one season to give you that long term financial stability. It doesn't matter if you go down. And I think you're right. I, I'm like Steve, who's having seen Brighton go through hell 25 years ago. You do want that long term financial stability and that 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 safety net that um, if you do go down, if you do tumble down a couple of leagues, you, you're still financially secure. Realistically, and it's a question quickly to both of you, where do you see your clubs in five years' time? I mean, we all wish and hope where we would be, but where do you honestly see your clubs in five years' time? Steve, sorry. It's hard to see past where we are at the moment, you know, somewhere somewhere in the in-between ether, you know, somewhere in the top 26 of of England, you know, maybe. Do you you not see any progression for where you are at the moment? Do you not see yourself? I think think without genuine investment is going to be really hard to become a club that stays in the Premier League long term. I think, you know, as for all this talk about being a sustainable club, for all the fact that I'm behind that and want that, it is so difficult to do. It doesn't mean it can't be done. And and teams go up and and do well. Look at how well Brentford have done over this last season. Mm -hmm. Fantastic recruitment has caused them to, you know, take the Premiership by storm. I also partly think because they're, they're playing without the kind of, I don't know, shackles of, of too many failed premiership attempts in the past that kind of plays on the mind of us. But um would you think Delia and, and her husband are sort of holding Norwich back in some way then? I mean obviously they've got a, this affiliation with Norwich, they love Norwich and you know the fans love them as well. But do you almost feel that, you know, they are they're they're, they're gonna probably be the the, the, the part of, of you not moving to that next level, getting a, a real big chair in there, lots of money to really invest in the club team to the next level as as sort of where Brighton have kind of moved to. 
think Norwich fans are fairly divided on that fact. You know, some want to see that investment. They want, they think Delia and, and Michael have taken the club as far as they can. They should be looking to offload. It's someone that's got that investment to the, to put in. And, and, and everyone else is absolutely, you know, fine with where we are, comfortable with the fact that they've got the best interest of the club at heart. And it goes to what Kev said uh, earlier about culture and, and, and having the best interest of the club at heart. What I don't want to do is sell to uh, uh, an investor that doesn't have, you know, a glazer of the world or, or what happened to Burnley with the consortium that have taken that over and saddled it with debt to be able to do so. That, that's my idea of a horror show with promises of all this gold. I don't, I don't want that. If someone has a genuine interest in our club, in the family nature of the club and keeping the ethos the same, yeah. but wants to try and take it forward, that's great. But in how, how attractive a prospect is, is, is Norwich compared to, yeah, a lot of London clubs or, or, or other clubs in the, in, the, in the country that, you know, let's face it, are more fashionable than Norwich City. Yeah. So, I very honest answer. And I completely get you. And that, again, both you and Brighton are very, very similar in that, you know, your owners care about the club yeah, massively. You can see the decisions they've made have been great. Very quickly, yeah. Kev, just to answer that last question, when you see yourself in uh, Brighton in five years' time? It is a quick answer because, of course, it's, it's a, in Brighton's case, it's a very easy question to answer. It's just whether that answer's right. And obviously, I think any Brighton fan or any neutral would say Brighton will be an established Premier League team. But five years is a huge amount of time in, in football. Mm. It really, anything, anything can happen. You buy a couple of you know signings that, that don't work out and that financially hits you or, you you know, anything, anything can happen. So, yes, I would like to see us as an established team potentially challenging, challenging for Europa places. But equally, it, we could be in the championship. You just, you just don't know. Well, I mean, the, 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 the fixtures on the Premiership have been leaked to a degree. And the early indication is that allegedly you're at home on your first game against Arsenal and you're at home on your last game against Liverpool. Really? Seriously? Seriously. They're coming out on Thursday, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. I've got um, the Daily Mail's got them now. Oh, wow. right. Interesting. Okay. We'll see if that that materialises. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a a tough start and a tough end. But, I mean, we've beaten we've beaten these teams before um, we do actually better than those against those teams and generally we do against the uh, the Norwiches I think it's two draws this season and the Burnleys of the world so mm. yeah um, whatever will be will be yeah. it'll be good to get you boys back at some point and maybe do a round table or something with some other football Thank fans you. and just just do there um, Joe thank you as always fella um, yeah. pleasure enjoying any, it anything you want to say before we go just want, to, just want to just thank the lads for, for coming on. Um, yeah, I thought, I thought they'd done fantastically well. And I know neither of them have, have done many kind of podcasts or shows. So for this being that their first one, I think they've done fantastically well. Um, you know, thanks to Kevin and Steve. Obviously, Brighton, we should mention as well, they've got affiliation with uh, Mill, as we both in agree we both hate Palace, don't we? For, for oh, different yes. reasons. Oh, yes. <laughs> That's so <laughs> We had your, your young kid who came to us for a bit, didn't he? And then we couldn't buy him. Malumboy? Malumboy? Malumboy, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we had him. And obviously you've had um, Beard, who was a youth um, guy there and whatnot, and yeah. um, and some other bits and pieces. Steve Cottle was here and there. So, yeah, yeah look, it, it is what it is. But, no, I I, I agree with what Jay said. Look, um, Steve, thanks very much for joining us. Um, um, I hope that... You know, Norwich has a great season and we, we take six points off them this year. <laughs> um, 
Ditto, yeah. And, and, and Steve, thank you very much for breaking your cherry with us. Um, no problem. Well, thanks yeah. for having me. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and Kev, thanks again for, um, again, breaking the cherry with us rather than, you know, your own podcast uh, people. But hopefully they'll listen to this and go, oh, we're getting on our show now. So, fingers um, crossed, it'll, it'll go from there. So, yeah, thanks very much, gents, for joining us. But that's it. That's the Bye. end of um, our chat. Just sort of an interesting side angle, really, during close season, just to to see um, the amount of effort, really, what goes into the championship. Um, after our show last week, we have been approached by a premiership scout, um, which we are trying to organise um, to do a show with, which could be an interesting show. Um, talking to us about you know youth setup and and scouting players and the effort and, and everything else what goes into that. So that could be an interesting show coming forward. But again, look, you know who we are. We are that Millwall podcast. Follow us across social media. Um, you can check us out across all the name media uh, in, in all our channels at the bio. Um, we've got a link there, and you can check out the latest shows uh, across YouTube and across. Uh, our podcast but remember if you do check us out on youtube please make sure to subscribe it means nothing to you but it means the absolute world to us and helps us get out in front of more people so that's it for another week and we will see you again shortly stay tuned and we'll speak to you soon see you later this week on rver sponsored by progressive insurance i'm sorry i can't operate on that vehicle But, Doctor, you took an oath. That RV, it's my son's RV. Oh, Doctor, isn't there anything you can do? I'm not a miracle worker, Sheila. I'm an RV surgeon, trained to save the lives of large injured recreational vehicles, which is definitely a real profession. When your RV really needs saving, Progressive has you covered. See if you could save with a leader in RV insurance. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates covered subject to policy terms. With bills to pay and debt piling up, it's easy to feel overwhelmed. Personal loans through NetCredit can provide funding up to $10,000 to help you get back on track financially if eligible. Our secure application process allows you to customize the terms that work for you and your budget. So check your eligibility today without affecting your credit score and help get your finances back on track. NetCredit, a more personal, personal loan. All NetCredit loans and lines of credit are offered by a member of the NetCredit family of companies or one of our lending partners. Visit netcredit.com partners for more information. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.